0: 85% of the problems are being caused by the non-technical people that are either clicking on something, that's, that's where most of the problems are happening, with email, giving away credentials accidentally, or on purpose, selling them, uh, things along those lines.
1: Welcome to Manufacturing Happy Hour, the podcast where we get real about the latest trends and technologies impacting modern manufacturers. Manufacturing Happy Hour. Each week, we interview industry experts that are at the top of their craft and give you the tools, tactics and strategies you need to take your career and your business to the next level. And now, your host, Chris Lukey. Hey, what's up manufacturing all-stars, welcome to episode 69. Today, we're going back to basics with cybersecurity, but that's not all we're going to be talking about. We'll also be discussing a specific new security certification that some manufacturers are going to need to prepare for, as well as some actionable content creation strategies for simplifying complex topics. Our guest today is Dana Mentilla, a cybersecurity expert specializing in security and employee training and identity theft protection. She's the founder of Identity Protection Planning, where she assists small to medium-sized businesses with security products and services. Now, Dana first popped on my radar through her videos on LinkedIn. She creates these really great one to one minute, 30-second videos covering really basic cybersecurity topics that often, I think, need to get more attention. After seeing those and talking to her a bit more after that, I was really excited to get her on today's show because she can also provide some security perspectives outside of the manufacturing industry as well. So, what are the three things you can expect from today's show? First, we're going to get to know Dana's background, and we'll also discuss some cybersecurity fundamentals. There's a lot of fear, uncertainty, and doubt around cybersecurity, and we're going to be covering the topics that you really need to be focused on first. Second, we're going to discuss CMMC, which is the Cybersecurity Maturity Module Certification, which if you're a manufacturer that serves the Department of Defense, you're going to want to listen to this part of the episode. But even if you don't, stick around till the end because we're going to discuss tips for content creation and social media strategy. Dana's done an excellent job with her brand and how she simplifies cybersecurity topics, and I think you're going to be able to pull some information so that you can do the same for your business as well. With any cybersecurity episode, this one is pretty resource-heavy, so if you want to access anything that we discuss in this interview, make sure to head over to com slash 69 to access the show notes for this episode. That's 6-9. There you can also find how to connect with Dana on LinkedIn because if you do have any cybersecurity concerns, you definitely want to be following her. Speaking of LinkedIn, if you haven't joined our Manufacturing Happy Hour industry community yet, I highly recommend you do that. Just go to manufacturinghappyhour.com community. It'll take you straight to our LinkedIn page where we have over 500 manufacturing leaders that are constantly collaborating and discussing manufacturing topics like this. Again, manufacturinghappyhour.com slash community takes you straight to our group on LinkedIn. And with that, we have a meaty topic to discuss today. So let's dive on in. Okay, Dana, so we were chatting before we got started. First question I have to ask you, if we were talking about cybersecurity today over a beverage, wherever that may be, where might we be having that conversation? Can you paint a picture of the venue? Hmm.
0: Well, I could really use a vacation right now. So I think it would be somewhere nice and relaxing where we get to the water and it's beautiful and clear and just be sitting there in the nice warm sun having cocktails.
1: Let's say we're hanging out there. We're having those drinks in that sunny, tropical setting. And I want you to explain this answer as if we were having that conversation casually, right? what's the real reason people should be concerned about cybersecurity right now? There's a lot of FUD out there, fear, uncertainty, and doubt, but what's the, the most basic answer to that?
0: Well, I think you know none of us were ever really taught how to deal with this. And you know we typically would say, oh, that's the IT department's responsibility. So we all think that these magical IT people are taking care of protecting everything with firewalls and antivirus and all this stuff. And so we don't really need to worry about it because that's what the IT people do. And when in fact, 85% of the problems are being caused by the non-technical people that are either clicking on something. that's that's where most of the problems are happening is with email, giving away credentials accidentally or on purpose selling them. Uh, things along those lines and you know, we're kind of goofballs when it comes to the way we really kind of handle cybersecurity, but the people that are really trying to attack us, these are legitimate businesses that they are making a lot of money on with mm-hmm. ransomware attacks and with misleading people with wire transfers and stuff like that. So unfortunately, because it is turned into such a business that they can make a lot of money, that they are taking that seriously and they are capitalizing on that. And, you know, we're still kind of like, you know, what's going on around here, you know, kind of thing.
1: Well, I love that you bring up the the 85 percent stat, right? Like it's the people that is ultimately the biggest variable, right? You can set up the best firewall, fall, firewall, the best militarized zone. But at the end of the day, it's human behavior that can get in the way. Right. And I've I've seen companies getting better at it with like faux phishing scams and things like that, just to get people in the practice of looking at that. But you're you're right. The human factor comes into play. I'm looking forward to getting more in depth into the cybersecurity discussion as we get going later. But the first thing I, I want to get to know is your background a little bit more. How did you get into cybersecurity? It looks like you've got an insurance background, so I can kind of put the pieces together a little bit. But you, you run identity protection planning now. And if you can tell us a little bit about that and how that got started, I think that would set some great context for the rest of the conversation.
0: Yeah, sure. So I came into this world in the car business. My family's had a Ford dealership forever and ever. And I've overseen that dealership forever and ever. And then about, I guess now, maybe eight years ago, nine years ago, I don't even remember. But I wanted to open an insurance agency so we could offer insurance to those people. And then uh, probably about five years ago, I wanted to offer identity that protection to them. And I couldn't find a product that was B2B that I could then offer to C. So I got together with a software company in California. We created a product, does credit monitoring, dark web scans, has a million dollar insurance policy, all that kind of good stuff. And as soon as that came out, that's when I realized how much education regular people need in this area. Now, again, this is going back probably close to you know maybe Four years at this point, and cybersecurity has the knowledge of it has has really really become a lot more than it was back then. And I think with things like the Colonial Pipeline and, and things affecting our infrastructure, critical infrastructure, that's like bringing a little bit more awareness to the regular people. So anyway, so I thought, okay, well, how am I going to go about this? I'm not a technical person. I'm going to get laughed right off the stage here when it comes to you know some IT people looking at me. They're going to say, what is this girl doing right? So, but I thought, well, if I was trying to talk to myself, how would I get my point across? And I said, well, if I could have short focused videos that add a little bit of humor, they're very layman's terms, maybe somebody will watch it and they'll walk away and they'll retain that information. Cause that's the biggest thing is retaining it and then actually using it. When you get into one of those situations and you're like, wait, that lady on LinkedIn was talking about a situation like this. I should stop for a minute because Mm -hmm. I think up until now it's really just been, oh, the IT department's gonna handle the training too and i t people are very different than the regular non-technical people. So them coming up with a training program isn't going to resonate with with you know the regular folks. So, anyway, so I started doing my videos, and uh, you know, took a little bit of time for people were, you know, what is she doing? Yeah, <laughs> so then then I got a little following. and um, I think the first one that really kind of resonated with people was when I did a video on synthetic identity and I used my daughter's mm-hmm. American Girl dolls. And I said, okay, so these are four little kids that, you know, no one's paying attention to their social security number because nothing should be happening with it, right? And the identity thieves are hot to trot when it comes to getting their hands on these things. And a couple of people private messaged me said, I can't believe you and those American Girl dolls finally got me to understand. I'd never even heard what synthetic identity was. And now I understand, you know, exactly how it works. So. I thought I got. I must be onto something. I'm just gonna keep going down my regular person road with talking to people in a regular way, and so lots of people have been reaching out to me and um, asking me to speak to their, you know, their companies and their their clients and that kind of thing. So it's just kind of taken on a different avenue, and I think this is where cybersecurity really has to kind of go. The training has to go because mm-hmm. for years and years we've been throwing more money at it and more money at it, and the problem is only getting worse. And I think it's because it has to be a cultural change within all of us. You know even within our homes i mean look we have all these smart devices in our homes and you know we are so excited it's like the shiny object you take it out of the box you plug it in you're like yay let's use it no one's looking at the privacy settings no one's thinking about what information this this device is tracking and sending to who knows where you know so we have to start educating ourselves about our homes and then educating ourselves about how we handle with our work related things and overall with our kids our parents everybody needs to become more aware of this kind of stuff and i just want to help
1: Well, I like that you're taking this holistic approach to cybersecurity, right? Because a lot of times when we talk about it on the show and and the goal, you're you're a perfect guest for Manufacturing Happy Hour, right? Because our whole goal is to simplify topics the way you'd explain them over a drink, right? So very similar to your American Girl doll analogy. I want to talk about the videos a little later, right? Because that's what got me on your radar. And I think a lot of the manufacturing leaders listening to this can learn a lot from your approach where you really simplify things as well. well. We'll go behind the curtain there a little bit later. But one thing that stuck out from what you were talking about was we see all the news about the Colonial Pipeline, food and beverage companies getting hacked into or some ransomware attack. Ransomware has been one of the more common ones that I feel like we're seeing in our industry lately. Um, but I feel like we see these big, scary attacks. But behind that, there's a lot of best practices that like you talk about with the human side that we need to be taking into account. So, I'm going to start with the basics. What's what's the most common cybersecurity threat you come across that's let's say applicable to to manufacturers or people that work for any business?
0: Okay, well, there's a couple of but email is definitely the number one avenue that is being utilized to create ransomware attacks and mm-hmm. all those kind of things. So, and you know, if you go back to 2000 when we had our cyber training, this is what it was for emails. It was, okay, listen, if you get a misspelled email and text from a Nigerian prince, that's fake, right? Everything else <laughs> is fine. But that that <laughs> one that's fake. And that that was well, okay. Well so then we learned then well then now they're really, really good looking. They look like they're from UPS or from Amazon. We're all online shopping and it looks, oh you guess we have a question about your package or something like that. So you click right through. And so that would be one of the biggest things we need to stop and pay close, close attention to is an email that's asking you to do some kind of action either click mm-hmm. on something, download something, visit a website and enter personal information. Anytime that something is asking you to do that, you have to question it. So if we all did that, we would solve a lot of problems. So that's my my one number one thing. And the number two thing is passwords. Everybody hates when I talk about passwords, but we really have to focus on making some secure passwords. And I know everybody says the same thing. Oh, then I got to remember these passwords. But It's very important. And one thing I always tell people why it's very important to have a different password with each account is because of the data breaches that are happening. So I use this one as an example all the time. Grubhub, it's a little food delivery Mm -hmm. company. They got hacked, Mm -hmm. username, password. Okay, who cares, right? It's just a food delivery. It's just my username and password but if you use that same email and that same password for your bank account or for your social media accounts that's why that information is valuable not because of what the, you know the grubhub it's because most people have the same email and same password for all of their accounts so it's like keys to your kingdom but if you mm-hmm. have different passwords for different accounts then then they can't do that they can't go getting into everything
1: it's funny i've seen both of your short video i'm sure you've done multiple on it but i've seen short videos from you on passwords and, and your one on emails is pretty funny right i think there's one where you read out loud these ridiculous requests that come through And when you read it out loud it becomes a little more apparent but for everyone listening out there we will be linking up to dana's youtube channel her website in the show notes so if you want to see some of these things firsthand that we're talking about you have an opportunity to do that after the show the, the the next question I have around this might be, it might be a similar answer to the the last one, but what's a cyber threat that people aren't paying enough attention to, right? We've covered emails and passwords. Is, is it one of those or is there another one that's kind of that's that's a significant threat, but people are just kind of ignoring right now? I
0: don't think people are taking into consideration how vulnerable they are for a ransomware attack because most people say this they say I'm too small I don't have anything of value so no one's going to attack me and they have to understand that the hackers know that they know that you don't have a lot of money dedicated to cybersecurity and you feel exactly that way that your your information is not really of any great value to anybody else so I always say to people that may be true but what is that information to you how valuable is your information? If somebody took over your computer and your, you know, all your data and you couldn't access it, that's really valuable to you. And then what are they going to do with that information? They're going to go dump it somewhere and sell it? <clears throat> Excuse me. So that's why these ransomware attacks are really, really something everybody has to get on their radar that they very, very well could become a target because they know if you're a small company, they're not going to ask you for a $5 million ransom. They'll say, hey, you need to give us $50,000 or $100,000. They'll know it's going to be something that it's going to be a stretch for you but it's something that you could possibly get your hands on.
1: I love that you bring up ransomware. I mentioned it a little earlier. That's probably been the hottest cybersecurity topic on manufacturing happy hour lately. I'm going to flip this next question a little bit because we've been talking about the ones that people should be concerned about, but um the the one thing that I come across working in the software world is I feel like there's a lot of concern around new technologies that might, that that I shouldn't say might be secure, that are secure, but people are worrying about those instead of ransomware and passwords and emails and all these things you've just mentioned. So my question is, what's a cyber threat that's blown out of proportion right now?
0: Well, I think, you know, I would say somebody hacking in through a firewall, the chances of somebody doing that i'm not saying that that's not going to happen but the chances of somebody hacking through a, a firewall versus tricking an employee it's so mm-hmm. much easier to trick an employee and yet we're not paying any attention to talking to our people about the cybersecurity that we need to be doing we're focusing in on the it and again i'm not trying to downplay that because you do have to have firewalls and all that kind of stuff but from a hacker's point of view if it's a hundred times easier to trick somebody To give something away versus trying to learn how to hack all this stuff and get into the system, you know, kind of thing. So that's one thing I would say is that not that it's not important, but the focus is far too much on that versus the other side, the regular people.
1: I think that's, I, I love that you're breaking down the basics for us. I think this is a good refresh for everyone that as we get into these more in depth cybersecurity topics, particularly in the manufacturing world, where th- there's just so much data, so much connectivity, I'm glad you're breaking it down to the simple things we should focus on first. Before we switch gears here, I do have one more question to kind of tie this part all together what are the first steps that manufacturers and businesses should take to improve their security approach immediately, right? I know this isn't like a like a switch you turn on, right? But what are some of those immediate steps that people should be doing?
0: Well, if they're really not doing anything, which a lot of companies are not doing anything, even just starting, as this is what I say, this is a simple way, start with an employee list. Let's say you have 20 employees that work for you and you could take each employee and ask these questions. What device are they using to connect to the internet? what app software applications are they using? And then um, how are they connected to the internet? And just by doing those things, you go through each employee, boom, boom, boom. When you get to the bottom, they're gonna now have a device inventory. You're gonna know all the different uh, computers and whatever the people are using. So you have that, which is very important to, to have and to know. You're also gonna know what software applications are getting into, mm-hmm. and then you should also check, you know, what passwords they're using for those and you know what access level but just by going through some basic things. And that's something you can wrap your head around, right? We can say, who has a key to the building? And none of us are intimidated by talking about that. Oh yeah, Joe's got a key, Jane's got a key. And it's like, mm-hmm. it's a key, but that's exactly what we're talking about. We're just trying to find digital keys as opposed to physical keys. So by looking at it in, in that kind of a context and sometimes even just starting with physical security saying, okay, let's look at the building, who has exterior keys, okay? And now once we get inside the building, who's got keys to the storage closets that have the you know printouts of the data or whatever? that's exactly what this is doing except we're just doing it in a digital world
1: excellent answer to that I, we we often talk about like factory assets as well like taking that asset inventory as well i don't think we've actually brought up specifically about doing the employee assets the employee digital software that's that's on that side of the table so i appreciate you giving us I would say a broader perspective to the folks on the show around cybersecurity here. I I do have a question that came up there. You know, you say a a bunch of companies aren't doing anything. I mean, this doesn't have to be exact, but would you say more than 50% of companies aren't doing anything? Is what's kind of your rough estimate of your lay of the land out there seeing businesses and people of all shapes and sizes, right? It's not just manufacturers you're working with.
0: Yeah, unfortunately, I would think uh, I would like to not say this, but <laughs> a lot of the small and medium businesses, I'm gonna say close to 80 percent, they okay. might have you know firewall or antivirus on it, but as far as training and, and having open discussions with their employees, not happening.
1: Yeah, and 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 that. I guess that's less surprising to me than I would have thought, right? 80% seems to be a a number that makes sense there. So, well, if you're not doing anything for cybersecurity out there and you're listening to this, we're talking to someone that can certainly help you take those first steps today. And Dana, we're going to get a little more in depth now because a topic that you brought up when we were chatting before Today's interview was the DoD and something I'm just learning about for the first time as well. CMMC, which I believe is Cybersecurity Maturity Module Certification, is that correct?
0: Mm-hmm. Yes.
1: Mm-hmm. yes. Can you is. take us back to the beach really quickly then and explain that to me in one minute as as if I'm learning that for the first time? Uh,
0: sure. Yeah. So I didn't know what CMMC was at all, and people kept mentioning to me, "Are you going to get involved with CMMC?" Are you get involved. And I said, "What is this CMMC thing?" So finally, I googled it. Right. And I found out what it was and that the Department of Defense was going to be requiring this of all of their um, um, DIP contractors. And then this is a five year rollout. And over the next five years, everybody's eventually going to and they're trying to have it be a slow rollout. And they don't think that it's necessarily going to be that heavy of a lift because everyone right now should be doing you know 800 171 or NIST, you know mm-hmm. 853 whatever it is which is self-assessment that you're checking off and you're saying yes we're doing this yes we're doing this yes we're doing this blah 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 and a lot of people are just saying yes we're doing this yes we're doing this and they're not doing anything and now the chickens are coming home to roost. so this is the problem now that they're, they're going to send in a third-party assessor that is going to verify all these things that's a little bit more stringent than NIST 800 171 and it's a pass fail so this is if you mm-hmm. really are not up to snuff right now, we have a long road to hoe. And my big fear is that my number one thing is I want to give contractors hope, hope, mm-hmm. hope, hope that they can do this because it's it's so intimidating. It's so overwhelming when you talk to some of these CMMC professionals and they throw around all this jargon and numbers and stuff like that. You want to just run away and say, forget it. I'm just not going to do business with the, you know the, the Department of Defense. But we can't have that we as a country have to make sure that we can help these these guys and make sure mm-hmm. that they can they can pass this a certification and it is going to take a, a bit of time. So the sooner everybody gets going on it, the easier it's going to be, as opposed to trying to just force this down, because now you got a contract that all of a sudden, you know, in six months, you have to have a certification. This is mm-hmm. this is a little bit of a long road to hoe here. So I'm trying to help spread the word that we need to get started on this. And what I'm trying to do, and I have not yet found this, I'm trying to find some people that can talk to manufacturers who are regular business owners in regular language, as opposed to coming in here and just rattling off all this stuff and then completely overwhelming them and then telling you it's going to be hundreds of thousands of dollars. Those are the numbers they're throwing Mm -hmm. around. So if you're a small manufacturer and someone tells you, yeah, this is going to cost you a couple hundred thousand dollars, you may say, well, I don't want to do the. I'm not going to take this contract anymore. and we, we, we have to avoid that because we have a lot of companies that we have to make sure that they can afford this and then they can get it done
1: i do have two questions associated with this one and, and just to be very clear this is for companies that work with the department of defense correct this is yes. that specific to them so for manufacturers out there doing work with department effect uh department of defense this is specifically for you the other question i have around that is what, what are you gathering are the first steps that people need to do? You mentioned that people are throwing around lots of high dollar figures. People need hope that they can do it. What are you seeing as, the uh, again, kind of that question about what are the first steps people can be doing to make sure they're getting ahead of the curve versus falling behind the eight ball?
0: Well, you know, then another thing, a lot of the CMMC people say, well, they haven't 100% finalized it. So let's wait and see where my theory is. Let's start with some basic cyber hygiene, some basic Mm. policies, some get the culture within the organization to start talking about how we're going to have to start paying a little bit more attention to what we're clicking on and what our password policies are. You know, and if we did have a situation where there was a cyber problem. Are we confident that we're not going to have some kid in the back room on Twitter saying, hey, guess what? I'm at work. We're getting hacked right now. It's all these little things that we could very easily fix. But when we leave, for example, in that situation, the employees to their own demise as to what is appropriate and what is not appropriate to be sharing with their friends and families and posting online, it's like the Wild West. But by simplifying it and saying hey listen should we have any kind of situation here we're going to make sure we have a, a collective message that is we're going to be sending out A perfect example of this is there was a possible potential issue at a bank one time and so one of the bank tellers went onto her social media and said i'm at work and i think we're getting hacked right now well it went viral and about 300 people who had money in the bank came down it was very upsetting everybody was like i want to get my money out blah 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 i can only imagine how this went the news shows up and then it turned out it wasn't even anything so this woman thought maybe there was something. you know, wasn't thinking it was gonna be a big deal to post on social media, and then you wind up doing a lot of reputational damage there too. So there's a lot of basic things I think we should all be doing now, not worrying about what the final rules are for CMMC just by doing these basic things. They're good business practices too, right? You're trying to protect your employees' data, your your, and your uh, clients' mm-hmm. data. you know that's that's all we're really trying to do. So it's also a good way to put our toe in the water as opposed to when we have to dive into this you know, CMMC full blown thing. So.
1: So is it fair to say that this is still a like, uh, by the way, I think that advice is great. Again, focusing on the basics, getting the cyber hygiene, right? That's a term that people that have listened to our cybersecurity episodes before should be familiar with getting that right first. But is it fair to say this is still a little bit of a moving target right now? It's still getting formalized a bit or am I incorrect in that?
0: well i think that there's some stuff that they're finalizing and again i feel like when people talk about this they're talking about minutia they're like well i don't know if it's going to be from the defars clause or from over here and i'm thinking who cares where this is coming from you think you're going to talk to somebody who owns a manufacturing plant they're going to care where this comes from they just want to know what they need to do to get their people (laughs) you know up to stuff so anyway i think that you know by putting all the basic stuff in you're covering almost you know 85 of what you're going to need to do if you're going to be a level one well, pretty much almost everything, if you're going to be a level one or if you're going to be level three, you know, you're on, you're on your way, you know, kind of thing. But yeah. um, I don't know. I just think the sooner that we all start taking this seriously. And the other thing I also hear, too, from these poor people is that they don't know what they don't know and they don't know where to start. So if you don't know where to start, it's like anything, you know, if I'm going to learn how to do brain surgery, well, I have no idea how to <laughs> go about that learning about that.
1: Well, again, for the audience out there, if you do work with the Department of Defense, I'm going to put some resources on on the show notes page for this episode for people to look up afterwards that way, whether you're listening to this episode right when it comes out or six months, a year down the line, whatever it is, you know, to come back here and bookmark it for a for uh, your resources. And and I know, Dana, you'll be continued to, to be involved in that as well. So always make sure to connect with our guests on LinkedIn when you find them there too. I'm going to switch gears a little bit because I want to go behind the curtain a little bit. I mentioned it earlier. The reason you came on my radar, Dana, to be honest, was I saw your videos and I'm like, this woman gets it, right? Like very short, very simple videos covering cybersecurity topics that are extremely important. But I feel like Oftentimes, get lost in minutia or mm-hmm. more details around firewalls, right? So, just seeing your like, because your videos, many of them are a minute, minute thirty seconds. They're not long. They're something you can find in your LinkedIn feed, look at it, and then get the value from it pretty quickly. So, you talked a little bit about it at the start, but how did you, how did you get started creating these simple videos? What was the maybe the first one or the story of where you're like, you know what, I need to start filming?
0: Well, I think, you know, like I mentioned, I'm not from a technical background. So Mm -hmm. I thought, well, if I was gonna talk to me, how would I you know, what would I what would I do? So I thought, well, if I come up with some short, very, very focused videos on one specific topic and then if I can, I can add a little humor into it so somebody might remember it. And that was my focus is something short, sweet, and maybe a little bit of humor that if somebody wound up in the situation I was talking about, they would stop and think for a second. Wait a minute. I saw that goofy lady doing a video on this. You know, I should I maybe stop and think about what I should do before I click or pick this up or, you know, do mm-hmm. something like that. So that's how it kind of got going. And then, you know, I, I'm on Amazon all the time looking up costumes and props and stuff like that. I mean, my kids <laughs> think I'm crazy with the stuff that winds up showing up at the house, but I think it kind of <laughs> helps get the point across too, you know?
1: Yes. What has been because I, I, I should have said that like for any like I know this is not most of you are going to listen to this interview on audio. What is one of your favorite costumes you've incorporated into your video? Because some are very straightforward, right? But others you yeah. add a little extra flair to let's put it that way.
0: Well, I think one of my favorite ones was the the uh, grandparent scam. So I got dressed up like a little granny with a little mm-hmm. gray wig and the glasses and the pearls and everything. And I have this big old rotary phone. So I used that in the video. <laughs> <Nice>. And uh, <laughs> that, one, that one was kind of funny. And so just so people know, the grandparent scam is when somebody calls up and pretends they're your grandchild and they trick you into thinking they're in a Mexican prison somewhere and they need you to wire them money and the poor grandparent gets all rattled. And that's what they're playing off of is the motion of this poor person. And Mm -hmm. then, and you know, the the urgency. So anyway, that's what was one of my favorite outfits.
1: Just, Just because I know a lot of manufacturers out here are trying, and maybe it's not specific to cybersecurity, but they're also trying to think of ways of how can I convey the value I bring or my message in a minute or a minute and 30 seconds? How do you measure success with your videos? Is it leads? Is it impressions? What's your metric to say, Hey, this is something that's working and I need to keep doing it on a regular basis.
0: Well, I think how I necessarily measure it, I think it would definitely be at at the end result is the leads, but looking at the views and then the messages that I get, because a lot of people private message me when they see Mm. a video that kind of resonates with them. So, um, you know and, so, and like i've done one on romance scams where i'm sitting there with like a blow-up doll saying like this may be the better alternative <laughs> to dating you know as opposed to getting scammed online and it's a funny video but i have people that they message me and i actually have a woman that i interviewed for my podcast it's not released yet but um she was scammed a million dollars she was scammed by somebody wow million dollars yeah so anyway so you know it's, it's that's a funny video on a very serious topic and then people message me and i've had at least 50 people message me about they're sad stories about romance scams, and they're devastating. They're devastating. So
1: I can I can only imagine. I have I have not come across one of those yet. I think you're giving us a good lay of the land of the different type of scams that mm-hmm. that come across that um, play off a lot of emotion, right? I think that's the the thing that you've highlighted. Whether um, it's a you're you're calling a grandmother, or grandfather, and saying your grandson's in a prison or something like that, or mm-hmm. romance scam. I mean, there there's a gamut out there. You know, I think the private message or the comments is a great metric, though, to bring up, right? I think we get uh, we're we're all guilty of getting caught up in what I often call vanity metrics, right? It's good to see how many impressions you're making. But at the end mm-hmm. of the day, it's where it's a conversation starter, whether that's a private message or whether that's something that comes up in the comments where mm-hmm. where I I'm always trying to encourage manufacturing leaders to take a look as well. So. I appreciate you not only giving us all the cybersecurity information, but quite frankly, some good social media and marketing info as well as we go through this.
0: And, you know, as far as the social media side things go, most people don't do the videos because they're intimidated. And I was mm-hmm. so intimidated because this could have gone very badly. Let's talk about this for a second. Sure. Cybersecurity is a very serious topic. So mm-hmm. here I am, no experience in the IT world coming out here doing these videos. That could have been horrific. And I, you have to remember, I have that product, that Identron product, that if people thought this girl is a joke and what is this product you know that so luckily luckily it didn't go that way but it could have very easily gone away so anyway but if you should go out and do your video and people say what am i gonna do a video about if you you don't even understand how much knowledge you have about your business other people Mm -hmm. don't know so there Mm -hmm. is ways of differentiating yourself or sharing a little bit of something that's kind of interesting that somebody else probably doesn't know and you've known you know forever so if you take that same approach that i did with the videos um with whatever industry you're in and these guys are the manufacturing, that might be a good way if you're interested in starting doing social media.
1: I I love the tips there. I always say, you know, your FAQs, right? The questions you get the most, figure out what you're always having to answer. If you can create a video that explains that in one minute, great way to do it and 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 I appreciate what you said about kind of that vulnerability you have to go in there and it's like is this going to work right but I think mm-hmm. what you you've mentioned before you basically came up with a way that plays to your strengths you've said you don't have a technical background and you're like how can I communicate with all these individuals that make decisions around the service I offer but have that technical background. So I think mm-hmm. there's there's an element of just being true to yourself there. And and I enjoy the videos. I'm always happy when I see them come up on my feed. And uh, I hope as a result of this interview we get more people uh, subscribing to your channel, connecting with you on LinkedIn, and and getting to see the content you're putting out there. And as we're getting to the end of our conversation, is there anything that we didn't cover, something you wish I would have asked you about Security, your background or the videos as well, anything that's still on your mind that you're like, huh, if I could leave the audience with one thing, this would be it.
0: Change your password. That would be my one thing. And then the other <laughs> one thing would be is that, you know, check to see if you or your employees are logged into your Google account because Google doesn't like when you're not logged in. And your Google account, maybe so you got a Gmail account 10 years ago, God knows what the password is, it's probably like your dog 01, you know, something like that. You really weren't thinking it needed to be too secure because it was just your Gmail. However, that password to your Google account, if you look on the upper right hand corner, the three little dots and you click on there, all your payment information, all your passwords are saved in there. So if somebody gets access to your Gmail account, they can get, get access to all your keys to the kingdom. So if you're gonna change one password, I would change your Google account password.
1: Love it. Love all the actionable advice. Love the tips. Love the basics today. We've covered a ton of ground. Dana, what's the best way to connect with you? Well, I would
0: love to hear from everybody on LinkedIn. I'm always over there, so you can send me a message. Um, I've hit my connection request limit, but you can certainly follow me, and you can always send me a message, and I will respond. And um, you can go to my website, which is identityprotectionplanning.com.
1: Excellent. Well, hey, Dana, thanks so much for being on the show today. Really appreciate the all the information you provided. And uh, hopefully we'll be continuing this conversation with our audience over on LinkedIn. Sounds good. Cheers, everyone. Hey, 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 thank you for listening. And as always, a big thanks to our guest today. Dana, thanks so much for jumping on the show. Really glad you were able to help us get back to some of the basics around cybersecurity and give us a really down-to-earth episode on this topic. As mentioned, this episode was somewhat resource-heavy, so if you want to learn more about CMMC, if you want to connect with Dana, make sure to go over to the show notes page at manufacturinghappyhour.com slash 69. That's 6-9 six, to access the show notes from today's show. Also, I'm not sure if you caught it, but Dana briefly mentioned that she has a new podcast coming out, and I want to make sure you know where to find that. If you're listening to this episode towards the end of 2021, the beginning of 2022, there's a good chance that her new show, Cyber Smart, is already out. So make sure to look up Cyber Smart with Dana Mantilia if you want to dive more specifically into cybersecurity. One final request, if you are enjoying the show and you want to join a community of manufacturing leaders, much like the ones that appear on this podcast, make sure to join the Manufacturing Happy Hour industry community over on LinkedIn. You can get there by going to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash community, where you will have access to a group of over 500 manufacturing leaders that are constantly discussing cybersecurity, digital transformation, workforce challenges, and really helping one another get ahead in the industry. Super collaborative group. Would love to have you over there. Just make sure to connect with me, Chris Lukey, on LinkedIn, and then request to join that group. We'll get you added right away. Again, that's manufacturinghappyhour.com slash community. And that's a wrap for this week. Thanks so much for sticking around. Hope you learned a few things, and we will see you again next week. Stay innovative. Stay thirsty. Thanks for listening to Manufacturing Happy Hour. Powered by the Industrial Network.